How many of you love the traditions that surround Christmas? None of you. Okay, well... (laughs) I love, I love the traditions that, that, uh, surround Christmas. Maybe it's, um, you know, you, when you think about kids and you, and the thing that they think most about Christmas, what would kids say? Presents, right. Yeah, they, they love the presents. I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, I have, uh, two sisters. I have a twin sister and, uh, and I have an older sister. She's a couple years older. And, uh, when we would wake up on, uh, Christmas morning, we'd usually get up about 4.30. Five o'clock. My dad's like, just wait a little bit longer. Wait a little bit longer. And now Kathleen makes me wait till seven a.m. to get up. So, um, but I love, I love the traditions. I love, I love the, you know, of course we love the presents and the Christmas cookies. And uh, I'm looking forward to tonight to our carols and cookies at six thirty. As Pastor Brandon says, bring your A game cookies. Bring, bring your A game tonight. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, you know, and all the Christmas specials. All the Christmas movies. I never imagined in my wildest imaginations how many Christmas movie titles have the word mistletoe in them. Just, just let me give you a few. Mayhem under the mistletoe. Mistletoe miracle. Mistletoe mistake. Married under the mistletoe. Mistletoe promise. Mistletoe in. Mistletoe secret. Just to name a few. In fact, since 2009, Hallmark has made over three hundred Christmas movies and I know some of you in this room and watching online have seen every single one of them. There we go. There we go. We have a we have a support group for you guys. Meets on Tuesday, okay? Um you know, it's interesting when we think about that. You know, we hopefully, you know, when we think about Christmas, we have good memories, and, and, and maybe some of us don't have some of the greatest memories. But when I think about Christmas and the series that we're doing of why uh, Jesus came, the one thing that I love about the Christmas message is that the Christmas message is for everyone. The Christmas message is for everyone. Um, the, what makes Christmas joyful is the message. Now, all the other things that surround it are, 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 are nice and fine, but really what makes Christmas joyful is the message, that it's not for a select few. It's not for those that have it all together. The Christmas message is a gift that's not earned or deserved. And I love the way that the message of Christ and his birth was brought to us. And we're going to read the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke. And I want you to notice two things as we read this story this morning. I want you to notice whom the message was brought to. And I want you to notice what was said in the message. Because it's something for each and every one of us. So let's look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15. And let's look at how the message of the birth of Christ was brought to shepherds in their fields Uh, just outside of Bethlehem. Let's read what it says. And he says, There were shepherds living out in the fields and nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were joyful. No, what does it say? They were terrified, like to death terrified, like wanted to run and hide somewhere. They were terrified. But the angel assured them and said to them, do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy. Great joy for who? All people. Everybody say all people. All people. That includes you and me. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger or a feeding trough. 
Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Amen to God's word. So let's dig into this message, whom it was brought to, and what was the message about. See, the the message about Christ is really about his grace. And what we're going to see in this interaction between the shepherds and the angel and this announcement is we're going to see God's grace in this particular scenario. And I don't want us to overlook how God brought the message of Christ's birth. And God brought the most powerful news on earth and the best news that this world would ever hear. And he brings it to a bunch of shepherds watching their flock in a field nearby. Now, a couple of questions that we need to ask ourselves right off the bat is, why didn't God do it differently? Like, here's the greatest message that the world would ever hear and he first brings it to a bunch of shepherds? Like, why not royalty? Why not make this thing big and huge? But he brings it to a bunch of shepherds. There wasn't, why wasn't there more fanfare? There wasn't a lot of fanfare. Or why wasn't it to more prominent people? Why the shepherds? There's a reason God had calculated all this. God knew exactly what he was doing and how he would present this. And he doesn't want us to miss the message that was brought to these lowly shepherds. And so what were they doing in Bethlehem? And this is, this is an important detail that I don't want us to overlook because the town of Bethlehem was very, very significant. And here's the reason why it was significant. The sheep kept near Bethlehem were used in the sacrificial system of atoning for the sins of people. So actually what these shepherds were doing were actually watching the sheep that would be used in the sacrificial system to atone for the sins of the people. And there's something interesting here. These shepherds were keeping and watching over the sheep that would eventually be used in this sacrificial system to atone for the people's sins. Now, there's something very ironic going on here because by watching the sheep, the shepherds would be considered ceremonially unclean for handling dirty animals. It would cause them to be religiously, ceremonially unclean. And because of this, they couldn't participate in religious activities, which gave them kind of a bad reputation of being untrustworthy or irreligious, which is really misleading here. Yes, Jesus does speak of these hired, you know, hired people, hired shepherds, maybe those who weren't trustworthy, who didn't lay their lives down for their sheep. But this wasn't the case for these shepherds who were out in these fields just outside of Bethlehem. The shepherds in Bethlehem were different. They watched over their flock. They cared for their flock. And see, the true shepherd, the true shepherd sacrificed their lives for the life of their flock. And so God chose these shepherds, chose these lowly shepherds to share the message of the Savior that has come into the world. And we understand that Jesus would eventually become our sacrificial lamb and give his life for our sins. And so here's what we see. We can see John the Baptist says, here comes the Lamb of God who will give his sins for us. See, God knew exactly what he was doing. He chooses these lowly shepherds who who are watching their flock, these sacrificial lambs, 
to invite them to come and see the Lamb of God, the one who would ultimately lay his life down for you and I. God knew exactly what he was doing. See, Jesus would become our sacrificial lamb and give his life for our sins. I love what Billy Graham says here. He said, why did Jesus leave heaven's glory and come down and live amid our filth and corruption? He came for one reason, to save us from our sins. That was the reason he came. And so by speaking to these shepherds, watching over these sacrificial lambs, God knew exactly what he was doing. He was sending his son, the Lamb of God, who would eventually lay his life down for you and I. And I want you to think for a moment with these shepherds. They're doing the same job night after night after night, protecting the flock from predators. Most nights, nothing would happen, and it's probably a pretty boring job night after night after night. Now, you can't blame the shepherds for being terrified when the angel shows up out of nowhere. Okay, this is, this is not the usual thing that happens. So when this thing happens, of course, uh, they're terrified. And all of a sudden, we see this night sky light up. Now, this isn't glow sticks. Right? These aren't sparklers. Right? This isn't just something small that happens. This is a huge spectacle. That's why they were terrified. And so when the glory of the Lord appeared, it usually, as we see in the Old Testament, is in the form of fire. Let me explain it this way. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, and they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and remember when Moses went up the mountain to get the commandments of God, they witnessed something. When they looked at this mountain, they would see the mountain, and the only thing they could say is when the glory of the Lord was there, it was like fire to them, and no one wanted to get near. This is, this is a spectacle for them to see the glory of the Lord. Exodus twenty four seventeen says this, To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. So this is what the shepherds most likely are seeing, this consuming fire, this glory of God that God shows up to present them this message. And so, you know, rightly so, they are terrified. Now, none of us, let's be honest, none of us in this room would be cool and say, oh, cool, praise God, look at that sight. That's cool, right? We'd, we'd be just as afraid as, as, the, as, the, as the shepherds. So our first reaction would be the same. We would all pass out, right? But for, for this reason, I think for this reason, because we watch way too many alien movies, right? So I, I just think that's, that's the reason why we would be terrified. But the shepherds were surprised because this type of message should be spoken to royalty, not shepherds. So right away, the angel calms them. The messenger of God calms them and says, no, 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 this is great joy for you. That something's happening in the town of Bethlehem that's for you. It's for you. And I want you to listen to what is said. What is said is, this child, this Savior, the Son of God is born to you on this day. It's personal. It's personal. God wanted to have a personal relationship with these shepherds, these lowly shepherds that most people forget about, that are just doing their job. But God chose to speak to them this personal message that said, is for you. And I want you to understand something. The message of Christ, the message of Christmas, and what Jesus did is for you personally. He's not trying to have you sign up for some religious group. What he's saying to you is, I want to have a personal relationship with you. 
And the way you have this relationship with me is you've got to come and see my son. That is the only way that you can have this relationship with me. It's through my son. What does the shepherds do? They leave what they're doing to follow and seek out the Savior, which God says when you find him, you're going to find me. You're not going to find me through religion. Somebody please say amen. Are you with me out there? Okay, just check in, all right? I hear the people online saying amen. Thank you. Listen, you're not going to find it through your own pursuits, through your own goodness. That's not how you find me when you find Jesus, my son. And he gives this message to these shepherds. So Jesus comes for the, for the shepherds. Jesus comes for you and I. And this is the statement that God wanted to make, that I've come for everyone. I come for everyone. I don't, I don't look at your past and look at your resume and say, okay, you're worthy, you're not worthy, you're worthy. No, we're all on the same level playing field. Jesus came for everyone, no matter what our background is. I've come for everyone. Now, maybe they thought they weren't special or deserved to hear this wonderful news. But it's because of God's mercy and God's grace that they were able to hear this news. Not based on their works or their religiosity, because they really didn't have any. They weren't allowed to go into the temple. It was based on God's grace and mercy. That's why maybe they felt they didn't deserve it. Have you ever received something from someone you felt you didn't deserve? Have you ever just got a gift out of the kindness of someone's heart and they just gave it to you? Just say, hey, I just wanted to bless you for no reason. I've, I've read a couple of articles about people giving large tips out of uh, just being generous. I, I heard of a customer in a Nebraska bakery that left a $2,000 tip for their order. Just bless the baker with a $2,000 tip. I read another one of a $2,000 tip that was left at, for a server at a Waffle House in North Carolina for an $86 order. I have no idea how you can spend $86 in a Waffle House, but I guess you can. It was a lot of people. If, if, listen, if you've never been to a Waffle House down south, you don't know what you're missing. I love the waffle house. My wife's like, why do you like this place? It's just a greasy spoon. But there's something about, can I get an amen from anyone who's ever been to a waffle house, right? It's so good. They need to make them up here. And I just love, and the best thing about waffle house is this, because I'm hungry right now, so I don't want to talk about food. <laughs> best thing about waffle house, pecan waffles. They're pecan waffles. Last time we were there, it wasn't on the menu. And I, I'm looking at kids and I go, I don't see the pecan waffle. I don't see, are they separate? Do they? So I, I, I look at the, the server. She comes over and I said, can I get a pecan waffle? I don't see on the menu. She goes, I got you. She goes, I got you. She got my pecan waffle. I love it. $2,000 tip for an 86. That's a blessing, isn't it? That's something that maybe they didn't feel. Maybe the server or the bakery didn't feel like they deserved it, but it was out of generosity. And with the shepherds, what we see is this grace of God. The shepherds were this recipients of God's grace. See, I want you to understand that God comes to those who otherwise would never think that they deserve it. Maybe they didn't think they deserved it. The shepherd's fear all of a sudden turns into this excitement. And God wanted to invite them, come near. I'm inviting you to come near and see my son. I'm giving you this message so that it will change your life. 
You see, the way Jesus was born is imperative, and we need to understand this. Because what God does is he invites us to come near because he's not a far-off, impersonal God that you have to try to jump through all these hoops of religion to come near to him. What did God say to the shepherd? Wait, wait, hold on. First, got to go to the temple. Get cleansed, okay? Go see the priest. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this. And then, and then you can come and see my son. He didn't say that. He said, come just as you are. Ceremonially unclean, come as you are. My mercy and grace through my son Jesus, perfect sacrifice, will cleanse you. Come as you are. He invites us to come and see and be near and know that Jesus is for us. So the way Jesus, listen, this is so important for us to understand because the way Jesus was born imperative. I appreciate Russell Moore's point concerning this. He says, the kingdom of God cannot be entered by the way of the flesh. Jesus tells us only by the supernatural work of new birth. Everything that surrounded the birth of Christ was supernatural. The way he was born through a virgin, being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, the way he was placed in this world was not done by the flesh, but by the work of the Spirit. Just list, just catch this. I finished early today. That's my Christmas gift to you. But listen, listen. The, the way we come into the kingdom is not through me, not through my works, not through my religiosity. The way we come into the kingdom is the same way. The way we're introduced and the way we come into this relationship with God is through a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. That is such good news for all of us here because for those that say, man, did I do enough? Did I go to Sunday school enough? Did I go to church enough? Did I do enough good work? Blah, blah, blah. That's not how you enter the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus in this conversation in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus? A religious man. A lead religious man, and he meets Jesus at night, he has this conversation, and he wants to know how do you, how do you get close to God? How, you know, what, what's the story here? And Jesus looks at him as one of the first pastors I memorized when I first became a Christian, John 3 3. And Jesus says to him, A man must be what? Born again. You guys are good. You guys are smart. He goes, The only way you can enter the kingdom of God is by what? Being born again. And he's like, Well, how, what? Right? See, and what he's saying to Nicodemus, it's not through your religiosity. It's through the Spirit of God. This is how Jesus comes into the world. This is how we come into God's kingdom through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. See, God changes us through this supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. I love what Titus 3.5 says here because it, and and I'm going to finish with this passage, but I love Titus 3.5. Listen to what it says. It's so good. This is how he saves us. He saves us not because of the righteous things we have done. Everybody say amen. I mean, that's, that's good news for all of us here, right? Not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of what? His mercy. His mercy. God showed mercy to those shepherds 2,000 years ago. His mercy. And what does he do? He washed away our sins Giving us what? A new birth and a new life through what? All your religious works and all your church attendance, right? All those things are fine, but that's not what saves you. 
It's by his Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. The shepherds were not worthy of God's grace. We are not worthy of God's grace. We can't approach God in our goodness. The shepherds had no business approaching the Savior in their own strength because they were unclean. But God, through his mercy and grace, invited them, just as you are messy, filthy, dirty, come and see for yourself. This is good news to you. This will change your life. See, there's a couple things that can put huge roadblocks in our minds about a relationship with Jesus. Number one, we feel like we're never worthy enough. Guess what? None of us are. And number two, we try to approach God through our goodness or our works, which is never good enough. Because guess what? You may feel good today, but guess what's going to happen tomorrow? You can do something to mess it all up, right? And it's like a huge roller coaster. We do one thing good, and then we mess up, and then it's like, oh, man, I've, I've got to make this up. I've got to do better. I've got to do better. And it's just never ending. And God says, you can't approach me in your righteousness or your good works. You just come as you are. We can't approach God in our goodness. Through Christ and through Christ alone, we come to God, and we are forgiven. So this message to the shepherds, It's really about God's grace and mercy to people who don't deserve it. And none of us in this room deserve it or earned it in our own strength, our own goodness. And what God says is, come to my son and I will make you righteous. I will cleanse you. I will cause you to be worthy not because of yourself, but because of my son Jesus, makes you worthy. What he does is he implants this message of hope into our hearts that he wants you not to hide and keep it to yourself, but he wants you to take that message of hope to your neighbor, maybe to Peru, maybe to Belize when we go in February. See, God doesn't want that message of hope to just stay with inside of you. That doesn't mean your life is easy and everything is a bed of roses, right? But even walking and traversing through the difficult things in this world, we have a hope of the message of Christ that we are now part of his kingdom that none of us have earned or deserved. And that changes everything. Because once we enter into that kingdom of God, everything changes in our life. We have a future We have a hope that we will be with him forever. So that's the joy of Christmas is the message. It's the message that we have. That's what changed the shepherds was the message that was for them personally. Listen, you're not going to stand before the Lord one day and take out you know, your purse, your well, and give them your... Me- oh, I was a member of you know, Living Word. I was a member of this. God's not, it's not going to matter. He's not going to care. Did you come to my son? Did you come to my son? Do you have a relationship with my son? See, the entrance into the kingdom is a supernatural work through the Holy Spirit. That's what causes new birth. And for those shepherds, it was a new day. It was a new day for them. That's why Jesus came, to cause you to have a new life that's separate 
from that old life that was in bondage to sin and darkness. The light of Christ that has come into this world came to shine the light on this darkness so we could truly see God for who he is through his son, Jesus. So my question to you is this. What do we do with all this? Pastor, what do I do? Well, here's a couple things. Number one, how are you trying to approach God? Are you trying to approach him with your resume? Like, God, I'm pretty good. Yeah, here's my list. It's small, but it's I'm okay. Everybody thinks they're good, right? We all do. It doesn't mean we don't do good things. But God says, your resume doesn't impress me. Just come. And some of you, you may say, uh, Pastor Barden, um, yeah, my resume, my past isn't that great. A lot of ugly stuff in there. A lot of bad things I've done. Jesus said, that's okay, come. I've covered that too. Jesus covers all our flaws, all our sin, and he covers all our self-righteousness. <laughs> the way we try to do it ourselves to try to approach him. He says, come and lay all that stuff at my feet. Just come as you are. And I love that the shepherds dropped everything. They didn't say, well, we got to go to the temple first. We got we to take showers first. We got to do they came to Jesus just as they were. That's how you come to Jesus. Come just as you are. Don't make me sing that Billy Graham song at the end of every pursuit, just as you are. I'll start singing it. But that's how we're to come. That's why it's such a beautiful song. So I want to pray for you. And I don't know what you're carrying. carrying. I don't know how you've tried to approach God but I want you to hear that the message is about grace. Receive his grace and mercy in your life and come as you are and allow him to do the work that he needs to do in your heart. And when you do that, you become born again. You have a new life. We're filled with his spirit and that's the only way we get in. That's the only way. That's the best way because it doesn't depend on me. Thank the Lord it doesn't depend on stupid burden and the dumb things I do. I'm so grateful. It's all through his grace. And he's a good God. He's a perfect Savior in every way. So Father God, we bow our hearts before you. God, we are sorry for trying to approach you in our way. We're sorry. We see so clearly through your word that the way we approach you is through a humble heart, recognizing that there's nothing we bring. We come as we are dirty, filthy, and we come and we lay those things at your feet and you cleanse us and you restore us and you give us a new life and you give us a new hope and you give us a new purpose and you give us new beginnings. Thank you for restoring us, Jesus. And I pray for every heart here today, those watching online or in the sanctuary, God, that, that we would just never forget the true message of why Jesus came. And he came for us to have a relationship with us and to restore us. Thank you for that and the hope that that brings to our lives. We love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. And how God's children said, can we thank God for his word and the hope that we have in his word? Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen.